Thank you for listening to the Bible preaching ministry of Dr. Tim Pollock at the Home Church of Lodi, California. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. Our prayer is that this message from God's Word will renew your heart and mind today. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Welcome to First Day. We're glad each of you are here this morning. This is the Lord's Day. I love Christmas. Now, there is certainly nothing in the Bible about all the traditions we have that come to us from the old country, but really, many of them, most of them, almost all of them actually, are a reflection of really what it's all about. The beautiful Christmas lights. Jesus is the light of the world. A manger. Maybe it didn't look like this. Maybe it did. But God is a spirit. And yet that God would come as a child to be able to be touched and loved and embraced and treasured. Amazing. I'm so glad you're here this morning, friend. I love you. And I thank the Lord for each of you. And I am looking forward to sharing a great truth this morning and a wonderful time tonight in our Christmas Eve candlelight service at 5.30. Well, I love my new pulpit here. Boy, I tell you what, man, one of a kind. And Pastor Luke said it's classic. I think it makes a very strong statement. Not just a pulpit, it's a statement. Here at the home church, the cross is up front and center. And uh, beautiful oak here. Now, I don't know if it can burn or not, but uh, I prayed this morning that the fire of God would come and just set this pulpit on fire. And so I hope you'll join with me in that prayer. I hope you got your fire extinguisher because it's going to be a good sermon today. Thank you, Pastor Luke, by the way, for and others who made that happen. So this is a bonus sermon today. This is the eighth. Uh, we're going to kind of retrace our steps a little bit from last Sunday. Losing Jesus at Christmas is our title today. Losing Jesus. Last week I read that security cameras from the Sundance Square at Fort Worth captured a man taking baby Jesus from the nativity scene. As you can imagine, it happened sometime between 2 a.m. and 2.20, security said. They reported it to police a few minutes after that. Fortunately, a few days later, the police were able to apprehend these dastardly guys, and the figurine was returned. That's about as crazy as it gets, stealing Jesus from a manger scene. I'm telling you what. But here's what I want to say today, and that is this, that if we're not careful, Christ can be stolen from us. It can be stolen from our homes and our lives and from our country. It's actually quite easy to lose Jesus during the Christmas season. Friend, there is not a war on Christmas. There is a war on Christ. And today, I'm looking forward to preaching this message the eighth and the final in our series, as we revisit the time when Jesus was left behind. He went to Jerusalem with his mom and dad and family, 
and he was left behind. When mom and dad came a bit away, let's look at Luke 2 and verse 43. Luke 2 and verse 43. It says, And when they had fulfilled the days, that is the days of the Passover and the days of unleavened feast, then they returned, that is they started back towards Nazareth. The child, actually he was 12, the Bible says. He was had just gone through his bar mitzvah. He now was a man of the law. The child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph, that's his bonus dad, that's his stepdad, and his mother, his physical mother, knew not of it. Now, folks, Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. <laughs> they lost Jesus. Now, they're not bad parents. In fact, they're very good people. And yet they lost Jesus. It's easy to lose things I and forget things. I read about a husband. He's been missing since last Friday. Seems as though Bob forgot his wedding anniversary. And his wife was really upset. She told him, she said, tomorrow morning I expect to find a gift in the driveway that goes from zero to 206 seconds. And Buster, it better be there. And so the next morning, Bob got up early and left for work. When his wife woke up, she looked out the window and saw a box gift wrapped in the middle of the driveway. Confused, she put on a robe and ran out to the driveway. And she brought the back box back into the house. She opened the box and was totally shocked when she found a brand new bathroom scale. Definitely can go from zero to 200 in seconds. Please pray for Bob. <laughs> now, there are things you can forget, but certainly never forget the true meaning behind Christmas. Jesus' parents were good people, but they forgot Jesus. Report has it that one time it happened to the late Billy Graham, evangelist. Worldwide evangelist Billy Graham, in the early days of his ministry, he got forgot. He got out of the car when his associate was driving, and very late one night, and very tired after a long crusade. Apparently, the guy was so tired, he drove off and left Billy Graham at the gas station with not even a billfold, just a rumpled old overcoat. He was sleeping in the back of the car. He had gone into the bathroom there. The attendant at the gas station wouldn't believe it was Billy Graham. Wouldn't even hardly let him use the phone. We can forget good things. I know when Pauline and I walk through the airport going someplace, she gets on a mission. And she gets so far walking ahead of me, I can't even see her. Now, granted, I'm not the fastest walker, but I send her a text and I say, Hey, did you forget something, honey? And, uh, and that's, in a sense, what... Joseph and Mary did. They were just busy and they forgot their son. I mean, there'd been no reason to suspect that he wouldn't be with them. He'd never done anything wrong his entire life. And here he was, 12 years old. They'd gone a day's journey and the women and the children were up in the front of the group and the men and the older boys were in the back. So they didn't travel together. 
when they came together at the evening meal, she said, well, where's Jesus? And he said, I don't know. I thought he was with you. Now, today, I want to talk about who loses Christ. I want to talk about where we lose Christ, and then how people you lose Jesus. And then, most importantly, as we end, what steps can we take so that we don't lose Christ at Christmas? Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Now, Lord, I do thank you for the beautiful time here this morning. I thank you for all these precious saints, Lord, who've gotten out of their warm homes in this cool, foggy day. But Lord, I pray that you'll meet with them, meet with us all. Now, Lord, I pray you'll make us a different people because of being here. And as I prayed earlier, Lord, I do pray that your fire would fall. And that God, you'd just uh, be here and touch every heart. And we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Now, by way of introduction here, I am glad to announce that whereas we might be able to lose our fellowship with Jesus, we'll never lose our relationship with Jesus. The fact of the matter is, uh, if you are truly born again, part of the family of God, you are a forever child of God. Once saved, always saved. Now, I trust you know that today because on this Christmas Sunday, there is nothing greater than knowing that. However, there is a difference between fellowship and relationship. Now, Joseph and Mary lost Jesus. That is, they lost him in proximity. They lost fellowship with him. But they didn't lose their their relationship with Jesus. Now, let me just remind you a little bit about the story here in Luke chapter 2. These were very dedicated, devout, godly couple. Mary was probably 13 or 14. Joseph very likely 14 or 15. They were married. They had this little family of theirs. When they, when they got married, they were that age. Now, 12 years later, they have gone up to Jerusalem for the annual Passover feast, one of the great feasts in the life of any Israeli at that time. Normally, it would just be the men that would go, and typically once every three years, because there were a lot of details that had to be taken care of if you were a rancher or if you were a farmer or a business owner, to be gone for a week or two or three by the time you travel. And so they would usually only go once every three years, and usually just the man. If you were very dedicated, you would go every year and Rarely, but occasionally, the wife would go. And so when she would go, it was definitely an indication that these were dedicated people. Well, the Bible says that they went every year, and it says that both of them went. And then it says when all the days were fulfilled. And so not only the day of the Passover, which is one day, but the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which was seven days. Then travel time at the beginning, travel time at the end. We're talking a good, strong two weeks, maybe more. They were a very dedicated family. As you may remember, Jesus was the oldest of seven children, at least, maybe even more. 
by this time, at the time that Jesus was uh, 12, Mary probably had at least five other kids, maybe more. I mean, they were popping out one every two years, probably. And so they had a beautiful, wonderful Bible family. Well, there they came to the Passover. They went through the feast time, stayed the entire week, and then took off back home. Nazareth was about 80 miles north. It was quite a journey to get there by foot and donkey and whatever other means you would go, wagon. A lot of times about this time of, the, of Israel's history, they would actually not do a straight journey from Jerusalem up by the Sea of Galilee, but rather go out east, cross the Jordan River, come down in the foreign country, and then cross down closer to Jerusalem because between them and Jerusalem were the Samaritans. And this was a group that just gave the Israelis a lot of trouble. And so it took an extra day or so. Well, um, they uh, were a day into that journey, and they found out that uh, he was not with them. And so what's happened here? Well, they lost their fellowship with Jesus, but their relationship, thank the Lord, was still there. I remember when I was a young man, a teenager, I asked my Christian dad if he, about a verse or something, is it possible that a Christian could ever lose their salvation? And uh, my wise dad said, let me show you some verses. Let me show you the verses he shared with me, and I've never forgotten them. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. Now, if you're one of God's sheep, you've heard his voice. You say, well, how do I hear it? Well, it's not an audible voice. Uh, we don't think that. But he certainly speaks in so many ways, mainly through his word. When you read the Bible, do you feel God speaking to you? My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Now that should settle it. But just in case you wonder, I mean, God, we already have the promise you'll never perish. If you're one of his sheep, you'll never perish. Well, that's good enough for me. But God goes on to explain how this thing works. He said, nobody will ever pluck you out of the hand of God. Never. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. That means that the minute you get born again, God places you in the hand of God the Son. God the Father puts you in the hand of God the Son. So you're in the hand of God the Son. But if you'll notice closely in these verses, it also talks about the Father's hand. So God the Son has me in His hand. In fact, the Bible says I'm actually engraved in His hands. I've become part of His hand. So I'm in His hand, and then He closes His fingers around me. And then the Bible says the hand of the Father is around the hand of God the Son. And so, folks, I tell you what, that's a pretty good deal right there. If you got the hand, if you're in the hand of Jesus and the hand of the Father is around you, nobody is going to pluck you out of the hand. No devil, no demon. And certainly not even yourself. In fact, if you use the King James Version, that's what I preach from. Now, if you have it on an electronic version, you don't always see the italicized words. But if you have a 
hard copy, you'll see little italicized words. And that shows that the translators were saying that's not in the original. That's uh, added. And so uh, in the original, it doesn't say no man. It just says, and no shall be able to pluck you out of the hand of God. No demon, no devil, no man, nobody. And so for sure, we want to clarify something as we begin this morning. Yes, we can lose Jesus, but never do you lose his relationship if you're one of his sheep. But we can lose Jesus. First of all, who can lose Jesus? Who can lose Jesus? In verse 43, it says, Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. When they had fulfilled the days, they returned. And the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And so his stepdad, his bonus dad, and his real mom, that is a, you can't get a closer relationship than that. Those that were intimately associated with the Lord. And that ought to be a warning to all of us. You can be a pastor. You can be a deacon or a staff or a saint of God. But it's a warning to all of us. If a godly mom and dad can lose Jesus, then any of us can lose Jesus. And isn't that exactly what the great apostle Paul said in, to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12? He said, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Oh, the terrible mess the Old Testament people made of their lives by sin, Paul said. It resulted in a chastisement from God. And if you think you're going to escape it, God says, think again. Don't ever drop your guard. Or as some say, stay paranoid. Maybe I should say, stay pleasantly paranoid. I don't mean get weird, but just stay on guard. Those Christians who are always walking right on the edge of the world, constantly challenging the cliff of sin, are the very ones that slip and fall. God's protection is promised. But God's protection supposes our discretion. We've got to do our part. And any of us can fade. We can lose our closeness, our conscious presence with Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, in God's holy book, the Bible, it says that some of God's chiefest saints actually have lost that conscious fellowship with Jesus. Nobody could be a better example of that than bold Peter. I'm talking about Peter, that great disciple of Christ. He warmed himself at the fires of the world, a place he didn't belong. And what ended up happening then? Well, it wasn't too long before he was cursing and taking the name of the Lord in vain. In fact, he even went on to deny that he even knew Jesus. And I'm telling you something this morning, folks. We are in danger, any of us. We can lose Jesus this Christmas season if we're not careful. Maybe it's a cozy office relationship that's uh, closer than it should be. Maybe it's a toxic neighborhood friendship that's just not good. Or an unhealthy sports or club connection. You need to keep up your guard. You might say, well, that's not me. I'm not going to succumb. But you know, it sounds... As strange as it sounds, some of the best people are the very ones that forget Jesus. I mean, we're talking about Mary and Joseph. They were good people, and yet they forgot Jesus. In fact, here's what Mary said in verse 48 of that verse, of that chapter. 
Luke chapter 2. When she found Jesus, she said, We have sought thee sorrowing. We've sought you sorrowing. And there's always sorrow in the life of a Christian when you lose your closeness to the Lord. You know who the most miserable people in this world are? You might think it's somebody who doesn't even know God, but honest truth is, it's not even a lost man. It is a carnal, fleshly Christian. A Christian trying to go it alone, trying to handle everything himself and handle his own burdens. Pastor Roy Fowler tells of the times he was in the Philippines. And he saw a great illustration of people trying to carry their own burdens. Well, there was a driver of a carabao wagon, and he overtook an old man. He offered him a ride in his wagon for free, and the man got on the wagon. He accepted, put his hand there, held on to the wagon, and yet never one time set down the load that was on his back. You know, the truth of the matter is, people get on the Christian wagon, they just carry along, and yet never put down their burden, never really give it to the Lord. They're saying, well, okay, I'm going to go to heaven, I guess, but they carry with them unnecessary baggage all their life. Who loses Jesus? Good people. Good people who get busy, lose their conscious fellowship with the Lord. Thank God never their relationship, but people who carry their own baggage and own burdens. Who lost Jesus? Well, number two, when did they lose Jesus? That's the second thing we want to notice this morning. When did they lose Jesus? Verse 41, it says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Passover. As I mentioned, they were a godly couple. Boy, they were really dedicated to the Lord. But strange as it may sound, they actually lost Jesus at a religious celebration. As a matter of fact, not only was it a religious celebration, but the Jewish Passover was all about the Messiah. And that's who Jesus, in fact, is. He is the Messiah of God. And if we're not careful, we'll do exactly the same thing. We read our devotional books. We listen to our devotions, but forget to be devoted unto God. Now, some of these devotional booklets are wonderful. They're great, some of the audio ones. But sadly, too often, they go in one ear and out the other. Kind of like New Year's resolutions, right? Something that goes in one year and out the other. <laughs> there are startling statistics about resolutions, like being more active and exercising more. 27% people break their resolution by the first week of January. 31% lose their resolution by the second week of January. And 41% do not last more than one month. Incredibly, America, it says that only one in three adults receive the recommended amount of physical activity every week. And I encourage you to be, get out there and be active, folks. But you know, as bad as our commitment often is to physical health, you know what's even worse is our approach to spiritual health. And I just want to call on all of us to make in this coming year, make God time a priority in your life. Even if it's just 10 minutes a day. You know, they say if you could just exercise 12 minutes, you know, steady, get all that, it'd make a great difference. Well, how about 10 minutes to God every day? Now, you probably will do more than that, but if you just did 10 minutes, 
You know one of the best resources out there is the Version Bible app. It's great, but if you don't have that on your phone or on your iPad, do it. Get it. It's amazing. One of the things they use is called a streak. And that is they you set it up and it will prompt you if you didn't, you know, go through and check off the reading of your Bible that day. And they do that to kind of help you, send you reminders so you don't lose your momentum. But folks, whatever case we're doing, make sure that you get into the things of God and have a devotion with God. Sometimes we forget Jesus because we forget we're talking to a real person in our prayers. Now, you know, uh, repetitions are not wrong. Keep saying the same things to God. Many of the Psalms, for example, have very much repeated phrases. But in a relationship with somebody, you want to say quality words, not just quantity and not just always repetitive. And that's why the greatest thing you can do in your prayer life in this coming year is to pray the scriptures. It is revolutionary. And it doesn't take a lot other than just opening up your Bible and uh, maybe start with Psalms because there's a lot of prayer requests in Psalms. Just open them up and when it says, uh, I ask God this, then you just ask God that same thing. I think there's another time we lose Jesus in this area and that is we have Bible study but we forget that the Bible is God's love letter to us. Someone once said there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person which can only be filled by God, the Creator. You remember what Jesus said in John 16, verse 33? He said, in me you have peace. That is the person of Christ. No thing, no acquisition, no accolades, no whatever. Only Jesus can give you the most peace that you've ever had. Sometimes we lose Jesus because we hear a sermon, but we don't listen to the message. Our best happiness this coming year will not come through any earthly means, but by really listening to God. I heard the old folk story, and I'll share it with you this morning, of a king. He fell into a huge, deep depression, and nothing could lift his spirits. His servants did everything to try to cheer him up. They came in with musical instruments. They did dancing, court jesting, lavish banquets. Nothing seemed to help him. Finally, an old wise man came to the king with an unusual bit of advice. He said, King, if you can obtain the shirt off the back of a truly happy man, you yourself will be happy. Upon hearing these words, the king was filled with hope, and he ordered his army to search the four corners of the earth and find a happy man and bring back that shirt. Weeks passed, then months passed. Finally, a soldier's return. Oh, king, after searching many days and months, we have found a truly happy man. But your majesty, the man was not wearing a shirt. No, folks, no shirt is going to make you or I happy. No job, no person in your life can guarantee you happiness, but Jesus can. Jesus can make your life the best life you ever had. 
Did you see this last week? Hulk Hogan, you heard about him? That He's a great big-time wrestler. He got baptized at a Baptist church down in Florida. They asked him about it. He said, this is the best day of my life. And folks, it is the best day of your life when you serve Jesus. It's the best day when we find Jesus. Now, if you don't lose God in the year ahead, you're going to be a recipient of the great Aaronic blessing in Numbers chapter 6. I love that great promise. Number 6 and verse 24, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. That comes from Jesus. Who lost Jesus? Good people lost Jesus. People who were close to Jesus, but they got busy. When did they lose Jesus? Well, they lost him at a religious feast. I mean, they got so busy with everything else, they didn't really focus on Jesus. And then number three this morning, how did they lose Jesus? How? Well, verse 44, it says they supposed that he had been in the company with them. They supposed that he did. They assumed that he was there. How did they lose him? And that's the danger we face. We just presume that everything's good without actually double-checking and making sure everything's cool. I read about a young man. My heart really went out to him. He was in the U.K., and I'm always interested in that. But after being there a few weeks, months ago, this young man, I believe he was in his early 30s. He had terminal cancer. And he was warning people to go in for a checkup. He said, had he gone in when he first suspected, they would have been easily been able to cut out the cancer and he'd been fine, but now it had spread. He said, at the time, I just decided I would man up, you know, and I would just push through pain and I would go on. He said, make sure you go in for your checkup. And I thought to myself, you know, that's very true, not only physically, but spiritually. Sometimes we just push through and we don't actually do a spiritual checkup. Let me give you three spiritual checkups this morning at Christmas time. Number one, have non-essentials replaced essentials? You know, we lose Jesus when the optional replaces the non-optional. Three plus years ago, the administration of our state government decided in draconian overreach mandates to label and close certain businesses as essential and others as non-essential. Supposedly, this was for health reasons. Unfortunately, the deep hatred for God that some of our elected officials had came out. Because here's what they said. They said, no, no, casinos need to stay open. They're essential. Liquor stores are essential, and so they must stay open. Massage parlors, well, they're essential, so they must stay open. Marijuana dispensaries, they're all essential. But churches, oh no, churches need to close. Now, by God's grace, we made a stand and said no. But I will say this, before we cluck too loud, I wonder if, for example, we get busy and then we cut back on the essentials. 
we cut back on the essentials and do the non-essentials. For example, I have to go to this event, I have to do this, I have to do that. I really don't have time to read my Bible today. I don't have time to pray. Or maybe in my finances, there's so many things I have to spend my money on. I don't have time to give my thing, money to the, and money to give to God. I mean, let's not tithe this month. Let's not give an offering this week. We need to spend it on other things. Folks, it should be the very opposite of that. You'd say, well, God doesn't need my money. Did you know that it's never been about God needing your money? It is always about God wanting your heart. That's exactly why Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Have non-essentials, replace essentials. Now, there are some religious grinches out there, cults. They don't want anybody to celebrate Christmas or even have decorations or birthdays. They don't want us to salute the flag or even have a flag. They say we're worshiping those things. Well, I can assure you I've never worshiped a Christmas tree. And if anything, the lights on it remind me of the light of the world. The wood in it reminds me of the cross that Jesus died on. And so I would say, don't let non-essential religious nitpicking on wholesome, trivial traditions spoil the overarching theme of the glorious incarnation of Christ. Do a spiritual checkup. Have non-essentials replace essentials. And number two, has work replaced worship? Now, by God's grace, and I say that, I am a hardworking guy. Over the years, I've realized I'm not a multi-talented person. But what I've noticed is, is for whatever I lack in talent, I've always tried to make up for in doing extra homework or going the extra mile. And I think that all of us should be hardworking people. But we must never be so hardworking we neglect to put Jesus first. What I'm saying is it is possible to work seven days a week the rest of our lives. I mean, there's so many things to do. I mean, there's things to do at the house and the business. And there's good things to do. There's recreational activities to avail ourselves up. We could easily justify never stepping inside of God's house again. Easily. Because there's so much good things to do. But you know, that's exactly why God said one of his most basic ten commands that God said. He said, stop. Just stop. Get off of that whirlwind, that Get off of that. He said in Exodus chapter 20, remember the Sabbath day. One day out of seven, you need to stop. Keep it holy. That means keep it separate. Keep it unique. Notice what it says. Six days, you do all your work. Does that say seven days or six days? Six days. It is better for your family. It's better for your marriage. It's better for your health. And it's certainly better for your relationship with God. One day out of seven is God. It's the Lord's day. That's why it's called the Lord's day. It's not the fun day or the mountain day. It is the Lord's day. Folks, if you don't give one day out of seven, you're going to run the risk of losing Jesus. You say, well, I can get that online. Well, there's a place for that. But I would suggest to you, you hear me, there's a time coming sooner than later because of AI, artificial intelligence, and internet scrubbing, 
that what you're hearing over the internet and what you're hearing may not be what I'm saying. Or they may just cut half of it out. They don't like anyway. Folks, I'm telling you, the only thing and the only time you'll really know is if you are in-house. That's why we say in-person is incredible. God said, make the effort to gather. That's why the word church even means gathering. Three spiritual checkups in this coming year. Have non-essentials replaced essentials. Number two is work replaced worship. And number three is culture replacing Christ. Now, decades ago, I saw the little abbreviation Xmas instead of Christmas. I referred to a few people and I said, you know what, that's not good. They would say, oh, no, it's just an abbreviation. We're just streamlining. But my friend, it is an insult to our almighty God to X out the name of Christ. It is more than just an abbreviation, friend. His name means something to him. You'd say, well, it doesn't, it, I don't mean it that way. Well, then I tell you what. Try calling your wife X and see how that goes for you. Just tell me how that goes. You know it means something, friend. In recent years, there's been an attempt by the atheistic left to pressure and to cancel any business, any school, any government that makes any mention of Jesus Christ. Do away with Christmas, they say. Don't say Merry Christmas. Say Happy Holidays. Season's greeting. Happy Kwanzaa or whatever. Folks, they are doing their best to remove any mention of God. In fact, they're even trying to change nativity scenes now. I read about this church this last week, a woke church that decided to update their nativity scene. They took away Joseph and have two mothers of baby Jesus. Can you imagine? I'm telling you, that is blasphemy. But fortunately, more and more people are pushing back against that kind of craziness. Did you know that actually the majority of Americans still prefer when people say Merry Christmas? That's why wherever I go, I say Merry Christmas. Merry birth of our Messiah, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I say to any atheist who might be listening here today or in the room, if you don't believe in Christmas, then why are you celebrating it? I mean, it's our holiday. Just leave it alone then, friend. Why do you buy gifts for your loved ones? Why, for winter solstice? Is that what you're doing it for? Why is it that you tear up when you hear Silent Night? It's hypocrisy, friend. Why don't you just go hug a tree if you don't believe in Jesus Christ? You say, well, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. Well, I just would tell you this morning that just FYI, God has scheduled a complete climate change, and it's coming soon to a place near you. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, came to earth for you and me. The salvation I could not afford, he paid on Calvary. What could I ever give him that would thank him for his son? I'll confess and turn from my sin and live the victory won. I often lose sight of Jesus because of Santa and Christmas trees. Jesus Christ is more than enough to grant me eternity. He's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace. He's the everlasting father. And to think he came for me, he deserves no less than my all. 
Though it's easy to give him less, though born in a humble stall, God sent me his very best. And so this morning, who lost Jesus? Good people lost him because they just got busy. When did they lose him? They actually, strange enough, lost him at a religious feast. How did they lose Jesus? Well, they didn't do some checking up. They didn't. They just assumed. And finally, number four, where did they find Jesus? Where did they find Jesus? Well, they had gone a day's journey back home, realized he wasn't there, turned around, came back, and in verse 46, it says they found him in the temple. They found him where they left him. He was in church. I just wonder where Jesus slept that night. Three nights, actually. The Bible says they were three days before they found him. Well, they found him right where they left him. They came back to Jerusalem, and they found Jesus where they left him. How will you find Jesus if you feel like he's come up, your relationship isn't what it was, and your fellowship isn't what it was? Well, you will find him right where you left him. Maybe you have stopped your time with God. It's been a few days, maybe weeks, maybe months since you've had a meaningful time in the scripture or in prayer. I was thinking yesterday morning early as I was sitting there praying, sitting in my chair, just worshiping the Lord, thinking, I am so grateful to God that I know I have an eternal God that is hearing me. I mean, that is the Christian's great secret weapon. You can say what you want, do what you want, but you can't ever stop me from praying to God. And I love to go him. I hope that you do. Maybe you have stopped having a time with God. Then you will find him by going back and having time with him. Maybe you've neglected the house of God. Maybe you got a little busy. You were gone for a Sunday. And then several Sundays. And before you knew it, it was months. Now, friends, you need to come back. Maybe you were a little angry at a, somebody in the church or even at the pastor. I don't know how you could be, but maybe you were. You know what? You'll find him by coming back to where you got off. How can you lose Jesus? Never lose him in a relationship, thank the Lord, but in a sense of fellowship. And so this morning, I believe that we can come back to Jesus. I love that wonderful phrase in Romans chapter 10. The Apostle Paul was talking to his brothers and sisters of Israel. Some had accepted Christ, some had not. He was telling them they were wondering how they could get close to God. Here's what he told them. He said, you don't have to travel all over the world. The word is nigh thee. Even in thy mouth, in your heart, the word of faith. That if you'll confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Isn't it wonderful that today you don't have to get on a plane, fly to India or somewhere and sit at the feet of some swami. No, friend, you can find Jesus now. You can have a relationship with God today. You don't have to search the world over for happiness. You can find Jesus where you left him. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church 
and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.